630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Get $35 off your next set of tires with Laufen Tires Spring Rebate. For details, go to laufen.ca. McDavid centers, one timer score! Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time, it's Clefbaum. He'll swing it out to the outside, and it is to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Darrell Walker with the touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Hey, how's it going? Next NHL game will be Thursday. Game 7, Jets and Predators. The conference finals will start on Friday with the Lightning up against the Capitals. And once again, 6.30 Ched will bring you live coverage of the conference finals starting at 6 p.m. on Friday. So no NHL tonight. WHL a little bit later. 8 o'clock start for Game 3. Swift Current is at Everett, and the series is tied 1-1. Baseball tonight, not a good start for the Toronto Blue Jays. They are already trailing the Seattle Mariners 4-0. It is in the top of the fourth. Uh, Having said that, there are teams that had worse starts tonight. The Kansas City Royals scored 10 runs in the top of the first inning in Baltimore. The Kansas City Royals scored 10 runs in the top of the first inning in Baltimore. They currently lead the Orioles 10-1 after two. So the Orioles uh, mounting a comeback, right? Of course, last night, the Predators stayed alive. Deflected off the skate of Johansson of Nashville. And that's guided up the right-hand glass and out by Smith. Forsberg won a battle. He'll head for the net. To the net. Rich shot score. Top shelf on Connor Hellebuck. It was a delayed penalty, but Forsberg and the Predators won't need it. Time of the goal, 8-16, and Nashville is up by a deuce in game six. Arvidsson works it around the boards. Open man, Roman Yossi. Left point shot. Deflected wide. Arvidsson back in front. What a goal by Philip Forsberg between the wickets, and he put it past Hellebuck. 3-0. Nashville Forsberg, second of the night. A thing of absolute beauty. Well, there's a familiar voice doing a little play-by-play on Westwood 1 last night. Our own Jack Michaels. Jack, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Great. I'm doing well. Thanks. Hey, it's good to talk to you again. We got we have a lot to talk about, e- even though we do this every week. We always find a lot to talk about. Uh, I, funny, I was playing those highlights, and a text already came in. Why was Jack doing that game? Well, in your own er, in your own words, why were you doing that game? <laughs> well, I like to think every time I'm on this show, generally speaking, I do use my own words, but. Uh, <laughs> They, uh, they were looking at, you know, Westwood won, especially in the first two rounds, uh, not necessarily, you know, systematic. So they're looking for a game here, game there, game there. And it just worked out perhaps geographically uh, that they wanted to pick up game six. And, and it worked out perfectly for me, uh, kind of the back end of their own doubleheader. And so, you know, obviously – if you call me with a gig like that, I'm going to be there. So it uh, it worked out great. And you know what? 
I think last night we figured out why Nashville racked up 117 points. You're going to eliminate them. You got to do four than what Winnipeg did in that first period, wasting three power play chances in eight minutes. Well, Jack, and I want you to get into that a little more, and for my benefit, too, to be honest with you, I, I, uh, I hung out with a couple of friends last night, and where we were at, they, they obviously kept the TV on Pittsburgh-Washington overtime, so uh, didn't really see much of the first period of, of Predators and Jets. Tell me about those penalty kills, and, and let's frame it this way, Jack, how that affected the vibe in that building, because it must have been... Um, you know, I mean, we we had some great moments uh, in Oilers playoff games last year. I'm sure that rivaled or exceeded that with what the fans were hoping to experience in Winnipeg. Oh, they were ready to party, no doubt about it. I mean, 15,000 in the building. I don't think it was even at the outset of the game before the Predators took control. I don't think it was as loud as it was at Edmonton last year, especially in the closing seconds of game six when Edmonton polished off the Anaheim Ducks. But uh, they were ready to go, and I think even prior to the penalty kills, Reed, you know, you get a bounce like Nashville did in the first minute off the headgear of Arvidsson, and maybe, you know, two things happen. One, you start thinking it might be your night, and the opponent's thinking, that went in, maybe it's not our night. And Winnipeg power plays, at least two of the three reflected it. The other thing that happened is on the second of those three power plays, Pecorino made a great save on Paul Stassi. And I think that signaled to both Winnipeg and Nashville that the guy likely to be named the best winner next week was back on his game. Jack Michaels joining us on Inside Sports, play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Oilers on Ched and the Oilers Radio Network, as he was just telling you, got to do last night's game between the Predators and Jets for Westwood 1. So uh, now they go back to Game 7. I know Ron McLean had an interesting stat last night after the game that uh, the, when there are two days off in between games, the losing team has won 40 out of 60 when that's happened in the playoffs. I'm not sure how far back he went, but we've seen in this series, Jack, that momentum hasn't really carried over. I mean, there have been some lopsided games. The Jets had the amazing comeback, yet still kind of uh, back and forth they go. There's very little to choose from these teams. I wonder if a Game 7 situation, though, on home ice, if that's where the Predators' playoff experience, as it did last night, really kicks in again. Well, I think so much of it is going to depend on the start because clearly Nashville's more comfortable when it's able to establish a lead and lock the game down. When they tried to run Winnipeg out of the building in Game 3, the Jets came firing back and scored four up in that second period. I think by and large, Nashville, with the exception of about, I would say, read a total of about 28 game minutes, has had the upper hand in this series. I think if you look at it really closely, that second period of game three and the four goals on eight shots in the second period of game five, that's really been the only time I felt like Winnipeg was the better team. I think they're close. I think they might be the two best teams in the National Hockey League, but I think Nashville's just a little bit better. So when in doubt, I'm going to take the team I think is just a little bit better. Didn't work out for me with Pittsburgh, Washington. We'll see what happens on Thursday. (laughs) All right, great segue. James has texted the show. 
He says, Reed and Jack, I'm searching the internet for YouTube videos of Brendan Ulrich doing cartwheels in Mexico after the Capitals won. <laughs> is that where Brendan is? He's somewhere in Mexico. Yeah, I don't know which resort or city it is. I don't know, well, but he's in Mexico. Your 20s, huh, Reed? It's just the life, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got to go to Kitchener-Waterloo on my holiday. He goes to Mexico. <laughs> well, that's... Yes, I, and I believe you replicated that trick in your 20s, uh, only it was to get a different prescription for your eyeglasses. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> See, I can't make those cracks anymore now that my right eye is 20-25. I've, I've joined you in nerddom, Reed. You and I are brothers now. What, are you wearing glasses again? I, my right eye has slipped to 20-25, so I'm wearing glasses. Well... Uh, that's not a bad thing, and your vision is still about uh, 400 times better than mine. So don't don't, don't worry about that. Uh, Capitals hard time, but I still feel like I'm your blood brother now. Uh, Capitals and Washington, or pardon me, Capitals and Tampa Bay. Caps finally slay the Penguins. Tampa Bay, I mean, you were saying maybe Winnipeg and Nashville are the two best teams in the league, but don't forget the Bolts were first overall for about three quarters of the year. I thought they were just deep and clinical in the way they took down the Boston Bruins. Well, and they're going to be a tough out for Washington because here's my read on, you know, the playoffs moving forward in the East is yes, Washington's saying all the right things. We've accomplished nothing. You know, we've got conference finals and finals left to play. But I'll tell you what, that series for Washington, having slayed the Dragon, as you rightfully put it, it takes a lot out of you emotionally. That's a huge hurdle for so many of those Capitals to clear. And even, you know, to some degree, their head coach, the first time Barry Trotz has reached the conference final. So there's going to be a natural letdown. And you're exactly right. Tampa Bay's too good of a hockey club. The key for Washington, in my mind, is not to allow Tampa Bay to hold serve. Because if the Cavs go home down 2 nothing, they've got no shot. All right, Jack. Uh, let's get to it here. Uh, right, when, what do we got? Are we shifting gears? When, so far, it's been straight hockey, Reed. You got something for me, don't you? When, when do you want me to take you for chicken, Jack? Or would you just prefer I get, get it delivered to your house or I drop it off so you don't have to eat with me? Uh, Cleveland 4 nothing series. Over the rafters. You know, I mean, ordinarily, a 4-0 series sweep, you know, we should have we should have graded it out. I mean, that should have been worth, like, a family feast, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, you're just, you're just paying for a vacation. I know Kitchener and Waterloo can get awfully expensive this time of year. So I'll give you a break and, and make it just an individual meal. But I will enjoy it. I will make it probably a close to miserable experience for you. There will be excessive gloating. You won't live it down. And when we are both grayer and have more severe eyeglass prescriptions, you'll still be hearing about it. If, uh, if people aren't regular listeners to the show, and I know there are 14 people who tune in all the time, so I appreciate that, Jack and I uh, bet a northern chicken meal on the Raptors-Cavaliers series after Jack said the Raptors might win game one, but there's no way they're beating LeBron and the Cavaliers. No way. 
And of course, well, the Raptors didn't win game one. So they, they did. What about that? What about that buzzer beater LeBron made to win game three, though? I mean, I made reservations after game one, Reed, just so you know. <laughs> you made, you booked reservations. I was already constructing the chicken. I had the rotisserie lined up. Everything was good to go right after game one. That's incredible. How often does a superstar go into a game saying, you know, we're just glad to be through the first round series. I'm exhausted. You know, we'll just do our best and try to go home with a split. And then they somehow win the game. I mean, LeBron had laid out a million reasons why Toronto would be able to win game one. And once the Raps didn't win game one, you could see the collective confidence slowly shrink. And they made a decent push in game three, but, you know, LeBron with a dagger and game four was pretty predictable. Yeah, what was it, 35 points or whatever it wound up. Well, we'll try to go, we'll try to go next week. I'll, uh, I'll have a bit of a slower schedule with uh, Jed airing the conference final games. Jack, I hope things are going well for you. Great job doing the game last night. Uh, hope your kids' ball team is doing great. I know we'll do this again really soon, buddy. Thanks, Bell. Appreciate you having me on. But in all seriousness, I mean, have you seen a more clear picture in sports of a mental block than the Raps have with the Cavs? It's unbelievable. Well, doesn't every team have that against LeBron, though, to some degree? Uh, the Warriors have figured it out. <laughs> well, that's true. Three. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, and, and I thought the Spurs always played them tough when they were in Miami. But the Raptors, I, you know, I don't think they can. I don't think they can trade both. But I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to make a move with one of Lowry and DeRozan because I'm not sure that mix. You know, has the fortitude to get past LeBron, assuming he stays, you know, either in Cleveland or in the Eastern Conference. To me, they're clearly spooked. All right, Jack. Thanks for coming on. I'll see you for chicken next week, buddy. Take care. Sounds good. That is Jack Michaels checking in. And of course, some guests on Inside Sports and some winners of bets against me on Inside Sports get to go to Northern Chicken bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with southern classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com there at 124th Street and 107th Avenue. It is 6.20. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30. Chad, the Eskimos AGM was this afternoon. Contract extensions for the coach and the general manager You'll hear about that when we get back. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. I also like to announce that our football club has exercised its option to extend Brock Sutherland through the 2020 season. Congratulations, Brock. Brock's done a stellar job in his uh, first year here, managing uh, uh, salary cap, given all the injuries, coming in in full stride. And this will be his first uh, full year where he goes, starts from beginning right to end, and we wish him all the luck because one thing we want to do, whether your name is Brock, Len, the board, the shareholders, Jason Moss, our players, 
We want to host it here, and we want to win it here in 2018. Thank you. In two years, only one person has won more games than Jason Moss, and he's been to back-to-back -back division finals. And as Lyndon mentioned, he did it last year while enduring a league record of injuries. So on that note, I'm very proud and excited to say that we've also extended head coach Jason Moss two years and his contract will now run through the 2020 season. All right, some audio there from the annual general meeting today. Morley Scott attended that, and he'll join us between 7 and 7.30 for some more details. But Eskimos GM Brock Sunderland and head coach Jason Moss both extended for two years, so they were already under contract for this year. So this gives them contracts uh, for 19 and for 20. And the Eskimos did uh, make a little bit of money despite having to pay a lot of money, over a million dollars, to players who were injured. You know about the rash of injuries that the Eskimos had over the past season. Uh, you can text 636-30. Jim says, hi, Reed. If the Jets lose Game 7, I'm calling a conspiracy. You can't change my mind. Face it, there's no money for the league if there's a Canadian team moving on in the playoffs. That is from Jim, or as we shall call him, Jim Fox Spooky Mulder. Kind of a log nickname. That didn't really work the way I was hoping, Kellen. But you get my drift. We need to have the X-Files theme ready at all times. Uh, this text, <laughs> this texter simply says, Winnipeg's effort last night was total BS, like they were skating in sand. Makes no sense. Well, it makes sense to me. They're playing, they're playing against a really good team. And uh, someone named Jay is texting on, says, Reed, I was listening to the Jay and Dan podcast last week, and they were saying they wanted you on the pod. When do you think you'll get on? Uh, Jay, I would say never, because to get on that show, you have to be known all across the country. And I'm barely a household name in my own household, and I live alone. You can always text 63630. It'll be fun to catch up with Darcy Hordachuk. When we get back after the 6.30 news, also later on tonight, had a great season for the Spruce Grove Saints, AJHL MVP Chris Van Oshaw. All ahead on Inside Sports. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 6.30 Chad. All right, tough one for the Blue Jays, trailing Seattle 5-0 in the top of the sixth. And, of course, uh, you may have also heard that uh, Jays closer Roberto Osuna placed on leave by Major League Baseball after being charged with assault. The 23-year-old reliever scheduled to appear in court in Toronto on June 18th. He has nine saves for Toronto so far this season. No NHL tonight. WHL final resumes in about an hour and a half. It's 1-1 uh, between Everett and Swift Current. Basketball playoffs tonight. Rockets up 26-23 on the Jazz early in the second quarter. Rockets trying to win that series in Game 5. Here we go. The big boys are going Florida in. Chuck and Peros for the fourth time this season. Right hands abound. Peros landed a couple early now. Hordachuk lands and they twist to the ice. What a scrap. So my first question for my next guest, Darcy Hordachuk, is Darcy, why do you keep picking on George Peros when you were playing against him? Come on. <laughs> you know what? At that time, I don't know if there's too many guys in the league to fight, so it was just a matter of who was still around to fight, and I think we're both trying to get a contract, so you've got to justify your role in the NHL somehow by 
fighting whoever you could. And uh, George kind of uh, wasn't one of those guys that threw a heavy punch, so it was always an easy fight. Uh, that was back on April second, uh, twenty ten. Obviously, late in the season. So, as they referenced, four four fights between you guys that season. So, uh, I, I enjoyed. Well, we're going to talk about some other stuff, but we had you on. Uh, Sorry, Darcy, did I cut you off there? I can hear you, yep. No okay, idea. sorry. You know, we had you on a few months ago when we did Enforcers Week, and I got in touch with you and said, I'd just love to have you on again uh, just to talk because a lot of people loved hearing from you again. Uh, Peros, now when you when you fight a guy four times in a in a year, are there, were there any surprises? I mean, you must have pretty much had the book on each other by that point. You know what, Peros was kind of one of these guys that always threw right. So if you watch a lot of his hockey videos, he wasn't a guy that could switch up. But, um, you know, he was just so big and strong. And, and the problem with a lot of these guys is when, when they, in order to get to where they're at, they've fought, you know, so many times. So you, you kind of know what to do and how not to get hit. But, uh, you know, when you hit him, he just kind of used his reach and uh, would try to kind of hold you out. So the key for, for a guy like that was just trying to get in tight and just hope one lands, you know. When you have a wingspan like he does, it's it's always tough to fight a guy like that. But you know, from from when I started fighting him, you know, back in the LA days, where everybody was kind of ragdolling him to being that college kid that kind of figured out, holy crap, you know, I'm in the NHL now, and you know, he learned real fast what to do, and he was just a big, strong kid, and uh, you know, started to learn how to use his size and his strength, and uh, you know, he had a great career, and he he lasted a long time, so. Kudos to him. You, you know, you mentioned the reach, and you're by you're by no means a little guy. Like you, you know, you're six one, six two, and well over two hundred pounds when you played. But w- was a guy's reach as big a problem for you as raw strength, or what really gave you fits with a guy? Usually, it was their strength and their reach at the same time. And a lot of guys, you look at Jared Bull. Um, you look at guys like that that really went over commit earlier on like the big guys if you look at my fight with char and some of the guys earlier on they would throw that big looping punch and they would miss you and come over top and then you'd be able to kind of catch them and usually the fight would end but you know if you look at bugard and some of those guys when they they would just kind of they would almost like skate backwards use their reach and then they'd throw that uppercut and then over top uppercut they wouldn't really kind of do that big whooping punch um so you know, the smart fighters kind of, you know, if, if you had that reach, it's it's an automatic. It's, you know, one of those things where they lock you out and it's tough to kind of get inside. But, uh, you know, that's where I try to get a lot of my opponents off balance. And, you know, me being six foot, 215 at the time, you know, I gave up a lot of size to a lot of those guys. You, you referenced uh, with, with Peros that, and this was eight years ago, that he was one of the few guys you could that, that would actually take a fight. And I think if you if you talk to some uh, heavyweights or enforcers or guys who like to drop them nowadays, they might say the same thing. And and look, Darcy, it was a big theme the second half of the Oilers season. The the tough time that Milan Lucic was having, he wasn't scoring and he wasn't fighting. Uh, but who wanted to fight him until Tanner Glass from Calgary finally fought him to stand up for his goalie and, and Lucic dominated the fight. So uh, I don't know when you watch these days now, when you, you look at some of these big guys who are willing to go, are you sitting there thinking, man, these, these guys want to step in, get themselves going, defend their teammates, but the opportunities just aren't there like they used to be? Exactly. I mean, it's so tough to fight somebody that doesn't want to fight. And a guy like Milan that has a rap a rap sheet. I mean, some of these young guys coming in, they might be tough, but there's that intimidation factor where a lot of these kids didn't grow up playing in the AHL and 
having 20 fights before they got, you know, a chance to play in the NHL. So a lot of these guys were kind of scared and intimidated. And, you know, it's funny because uh, Tanner Glass, uh, I gave him a call in Abbotsford, and he said, Darcy, actually, I just got called up, and uh, my buddy got the job, the coaching job. So I was trying to set up a dinner with him, you know. He was coaching up uh, where he was playing there. And uh, he goes, actually, I just got called up. So I, I told him, I'm like, you got to go good old Sasky style and just go run some guys. And, and sure enough, uh, his first game there, he came back and, you know, went to old school hockey where he laid out, I think, one of the flames and, you know, got a fight. So, you know, I, I definitely love those kind of players like Glasser and that, but it's just, it's it just the game's changed so much. And, and, you know, even playoffs, I mean, you know, like a Marshawn, uh, he's the kind of guy that, you know, when you have a couple tenor glasses out there, you know, and you you try to lay them out early in the series or try to do something to intimidate him, um, maybe he'll keep his tongue in his mouth, you know? <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about that. And, look, we all know that um, guys who can irritate can can find their, their way in the NHL. Uh, I would argue that Marchand has crossed the line at other times in his career as well. I mean, you're sitting there watching that. A guy, and it didn't just happen with Callahan. It happened with Komarov from the Leafs in the playoffs and in the regular season. And you see the licking and the kissing. I mean, I don't know, Darcy, is a guy who, like you said, and you told a great story about growing up in Camp Sack last time and your buddy saying, to, do you want to shovel grain for a living or do you want to find a way to play hockey? And you found a way to play hockey. And you see Marchand doing that. I mean, what's going through your mind? Man, I mean, first of all, to lick somebody's face, I don't care who you are. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's disgusting. And, 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 and to not two-hand a guy like that or sucker him, I don't care. You know, if it's the end of the game when they're up 5-2, you, you you know, a guy like that, you just got to send a message. And the only way you send a message is if you, you know, you basically try to break the guy's nose. And, and it was funny because I was thinking he, he's exactly like an Avery, you know, where, you know, the guy just runs around. And what, what pisses you off even more is with a guy like that, at the end of the game, he's got a goal and assist. So, you know, you, you, it just guys like that they just kind of need to play that way that's the way they they are that's that's what kind of gets them going and that's how they're in the zone you know and and i just did a charity event actually in edmonton there um i think it was for the alzheimer's event but barnaby was telling the stories too how you know that was his element and that's kind of what you know doing stuff like that if you try to take that player out of that element and you you know they're talking about michael peck out there you know, being the captain for for Barnaby when he played for Buffalo, you, you just you can't say anything to these guys because that's the way they play. And and if you start telling them to tone it down, they either tone it down too much, or you know, and they don't play their game and they can't play, or you know, they just do what they do. And 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 it's uh, you know, it's 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 frustrating to be on the other team. And a uh, good thing that I think Colin Campbell and everybody else is stepping. And I think you know, like you said, he's crossing the line, but. Somebody needs to break his nose. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so that's how you would handle it as an opponent, and you kind of touched on it. But as a teammate, and look, Bergeron in points per game this year, or not Bergeron, Marchand, like he was right up there with McDavid in points per game. If he plays a full year, maybe he's the the Hart Trophy winner or guy. But so, is it hard for teammates to say, Brad, you're embarrassing the Boston Bruins, you're embarrassing us? Like, is is that a hard conversation to have with a teammate? Oh, of course it is. I mean, if, if the guy was a rookie and the guy wasn't putting up points, I mean, he'd be in the minors right now. 
you know, but a guy like that that's that's kind of leading the team and and uh, and is having an impact game in and game out. I mean, he's like untouchable. And and I think Don Sweeney, the GM, I think he's just kind of going in stride with it with with the NHL, saying, hey, you know, I'm don't worry, I'll talk to him, I'll get him to tone it down. But he's telling, you know. Marshawn, do whatever you're doing. Just keep playing the way you're playing. Whatever, hey, we'll pay the fines. We need you. Just you know, and and you know, I think there's a lot of that stuff kind of behind closed doors. Where at the end of the day, if he's producing on the ice, nobody's saying anything, and everybody else is like wondering if they should start licking guys or what they got to do to get themselves <laughs> in the game. Well, hopefully that's not catchy, Darcy. Hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Darcy Hornichurch joining okay. us at Inside Sports. 542 NHL games, 1140 penalty minutes, played his final NHL games with the Oilers back in the 12-13 season. I, I want to sort of loop back. You, you, you're, you're saying a lot of stuff that makes me want to ask you more questions. You, you, we were talking about fighting and, and taking fights and trying to engage. Once you established yourself in the league, Darcy, did you have you know kind of a personal, I don't know if policy is the right word, but... You know, if a younger guy uh, trying to make a name for himself said, Darcy, you know, would, would you automatically give that younger guy the fight? Would you say, no, hold on, kid, I don't know enough about you? Or how would you handle those types of situations? Oh, I'll tell you what. I knew everybody that was coming up. I knew every person that was in the minor fighting. I mean, there's a great website called HockeyFights.com. So you know who was coming up, what was going up. And, and that was kind of part of it, right? You, you kind of had to know because at any time, um, you know, the next day you knew somebody might be coming up or what happened in the game before or what was going on in the series. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's such a mental thing when, when you're getting ready to, to play a team. And, you know, every warm-up I would do the same thing. As whoever it was on the other team, I'd kind of be slobbering out of my mouth and tell them that we're going first shift because I want to get a reaction to kind of see where he's at. And a lot of the time, you know, I'd get guys like – you know, Peros they're like, calm down, let's see how the game goes. So mentally, I knew that he really didn't want to do it in that game, and then I knew I could kind of play. So that's why, you know, if you see in Sean Avery's book, he thought I was on drugs and I, I was some crazy guy. I was just kind of playing that role just to kind of get in people's mindset and kind of intimidate them because 90% of it is intimidation where they're like, this guy's crazy and he wants to fight every game, kind of like a Brian McGrath. Brian really did want to fight every game, and he really was crazy. And it's funny, I just did this hockey camp with him. And, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing these days? He's like, oh, I'm just taking boxing and getting ready. You know, Some of these guys that are trying to make a title shot are sparring with me. He's like black and blue. He's got like a black eye. I'm like, Brian, are you worried about like concussions or like giving up? He's like, I just got to get it out. You know, So kind of guys like that, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even like, you try to just let him sleep because you knew that he was just that crazy. Um, you know, Derek Bugard, guys like that, they just, you know, not necessarily wanted to do it, but if you kind of woke them up, but 90% of the other guys like Peros and, you know, Barnaby and guys like that, you just kind of let them, right, you know, right off the bat. And and I'll never forget Belak. I was kind of off the draw with him, and I'm like, let's go, like, let's do this up. And I knew, you know, I was just trying to kind of bully him and intimidate him just to kind of, you know, because a lot of these guys had contracts or a year deal, and they didn't really want to do it. They didn't have to do it because the game was going good, and then all of a sudden, Belak's like, yeah, let's go. You want to fight? I'll rip it. You, I'll fight both of you. And I was like, okay, calm down. I'd never ever fight somebody when they wanted to fight me. It was always on my terms because I wanted them to think about it mentally, kind of, you know, and, and it's just this weird kind of uh, mental thing where, you know, somebody calls you on, you, you don't want to fight them. You, you want to make them think kind of, 
let him let him think. Okay, what 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 is this guy going to do? Or, or and uh, you know, it's, but, it's it's such an interesting tactical way of thinking things. But um, well, you know, it's it worked well, for my career. Well, yeah, well, it's something a lot of us yeah, I can't understand, right? I, I I mean, it's even I think sometimes even for people who are lifelong hockey fans, there's still a bit of that mystique and unknown about the enforcer position and how each of you approach it maybe a little bit differently. Uh, Darcy, did you ever have a moment where maybe uh, a smaller guy or more of a skilled guy got mad at you and maybe was trying to think that he was a little bigger than he Like, did you ever have a moment where you had to say, like, hey, buddy, let, calm down, Don't, remember who you are and who I am? Did those kind of things ever happen oh, no. or did it never reach that point? Everybody kind of knew because, you know, Carcillo, I remember Carcillo was kind of, that's really where I should have been my whole career was a middleweight. I wasn't meant to be a heavyweight, just, you know. I just kind of fell in that category because I'd always say, send out your toughest guy, send out your toughest guy. And I knew that eventually, then I wouldn't have to fight the other guys because you get that reputation, right? But Carcillo, I remember when he kind of stepped up and tried to fight me, and he was kind of knocking out a few guys back then when he was with the Coyotes. And he kind of was one of those guys that, you know, started running around in, in the corner. You know, he ended up hammering me, you know, hammering me from behind. So I just kind of dropped the gloves. But I think after I tuned him in, then other guys, they, they, they knew that one of us was going to get hit and one of us was going to get hurt. I wasn't one of those guys that would stand back and hold on. So I think that's part of it where guys were kind of scared to, I think, say, hey, you know, do you want to go or, do you, you know, I didn't really have to. As soon as I looked at somebody and somebody hit me or whatever, they knew they were going to get chased down and they're going to get this stick in the back of the legs. Or, you know, I mean, Avery was the toughest guy that I um, had a tough time fighting. But eventually, when I jumped off the bench after he hit Korea when I was in Nashville and basically uh, got you know a couple games suspension on, on when he turtled and, and it went on Good Morning America, I think people around the league knew that um, this guy's a little bit crazy. So. All right, Darcy, this has been great. Uh, before I let you go, uh, well, there are five teams left because the Jets and Predators are going to finish it off in a couple of days. Uh, who are you liking? I, I think Tampa Bay is really asserting themselves here, but obviously the Jets and Predators were the top two teams in the regular season. What are you liking here with uh, two rounds plus a game left in the playoffs? Gosh, it's been so tough. I just love to see Winnipeg, obviously, for the Canadian fans and for that city to see that support. Nashville is my old team, you know. Um, you kind of want to see those guys uh, bring something home. But, I mean, how can you not root for Vegas? I mean, what a, a story that is. I was reading some of the stories and articles on the 500-to-1 odds that some of the people in Vegas got in on and the 200-to-1 odds, you know. And uh, But, you know, it's going to be interesting. I'm, it's good to see Trotsky kind of get past the, the first couple rounds. I know in his career he's never really been able to, to kind of make that push. Um, but... No, it should be interesting. I think Nashville's going to end up, you know, beating Winnipeg, and then uh, that'll be a good series with Nashville and Vegas. But uh, Tampa Bay is going to be tough to beat, too. So um, if I pick a winner, I think uh, it might be uh, Nashville. Right on. Darcy, uh, thanks for being so generous with your time. we we got to do this again. You've been on the show twice. It's been a home run both times. Uh, thanks a lot for checking in tonight. So, uh, yeah, please keep in touch. Really appreciate that you did this. Anytime. That is Darcy Hordachuk, former NHLer, former Edmonton Oilers, checking in. Uh, incredible perspective there on uh, fighting the enforcer role in the National Hockey League. And, of course, he finished his NHL career with the Edmonton Oilers. Darcy Hordachuk checking in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We're coming right back.
Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, great to have Darcy Hordachuk on the show. Morley Scott's going to hop on to the next half hour, give you an update on the Eskimos' annual general meeting. They have a game on May 27th, preseason tilt against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll have it for you on 630 Chad. 7804960063 my old buddy Castle Downs Dan has called in Dan go ahead Hey Reed how's it going Doing well Awesome I'm uh uh down in the southern part of the province uh, looking forward to uh the golf tournament next month Uh I was I was listening and uh I don't know if it's just me but it seems all the uh guys that we thought were Neanderthals on the ice are, uh, generally speaking, uh, quite intelligent and well-spoken, uh, such as uh, Darcy sure seems to be. Well, yeah, so actually, sometimes the enforcers are the most interesting guys to interview. A, because they often have the craziest stories, and you know, there's no there's no hiding their role on the ice, right? There's no there's no beating around the bush. It, it's it's pretty uh, pretty simple what they had to go out there and do last night. Yeah, Darcy's been on the show a couple times. Really good to talk to. Yeah, he's a great interview. That's for sure. All right, Dan. We'll see you around, buddy. Thanks for doing the golf tournament again. Take care. And we also have Alan on the line at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Go ahead, Alan. Hey, Reed. Uh, it's Alan uh, here. Uh, I was just wondering about, like, uh, respect in the NHL and compared to, like, now and before. Like, I mean, you know how Darcy Hardachak was on and everything, and I bet he respected everybody he fought on the ice and everything, and and he respected everybody he played against and played with. And I was just wondering on your thoughts on the NHL now where, you know, Marchand goes out and licks somebody and all that, or compared to before, I bet there was, you know, none of that shenanigans at least not that i remember i know probably still pretty young but i mean i don't remember something like that before and i was just wondering what your opinion is on the <coughs> respect part of things in the nhl everything about uh, the guys you've interviewed and all of all the uh, games you saw well there, there's there's less fighting alan and and i'm not a like i'm not a huge fan of fighting like i i can go to a game or cover a game as i do with the oilers and if there's no fight i don't feel ripped off but but I understand, you know, hockey is a sport that does uh, allow it. it. You know, well, it's against the rules, I guess, because you get a five-minute penalty. But it, it, that accountability does factor in. And, and like Hortichuk said, maybe if Marchand actually thought he was going to get grabbed and have his, his face pounded in or his nose broken, maybe he's not licking guys. Or maybe if it happened after the first time he did it, uh, you know, maybe he doesn't do it again. But there there isn't as much fighting... If you, if you do sort of, you know, jump a guy or initiate, not only can you get an instigator penalty, you, you often get, uh, you know, you often could get suspended for something like that. Is it an era thing? Maybe partially. I think with a guy like Marchand, it, it's also a personality thing. I, I think he's just that type of a guy. And we've had the Ken Linsmans and, well, I mean, guys that played in Edmonton. I mean, nobody liked Esatique in it. I don't know if you ever did anything that bad. There's always players like that. Um, I think the NHL should have stepped in right away, or maybe after Marchand did it the second time and and hit him in the wallet, or just said you're missing, a, you got to sit out a game. That's just stupid. And Callahan made a good point last week. You spit on a guy, you you get a 
10 minute misconduct or you get thrown out. So why should should licking be allowed? Again, it's an odd conversation just to have. Respect amongst players. Yeah, I, I think it I think it's still there. I don't think it's gone away. Um, but again, if a guy's doing something disrespectful, you're more likely to really get the book thrown at you if you just, you know, grab him and force him to fight and maybe you pound him out or injure him. Inside Sports on Chad. We're coming back after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.